tuning in to Nostalgia Myalgia. This week, my sister Allison and I talked about Tina Fey's sitcom 30 Rock, which ran from 2007 to 2012, so it's a little bit more recent than other things we've discussed on Nostalgia Myalgia. If you haven't watched 30 Rock, be aware that there are some very mild spoilers in this podcast. Thank you for joining me, coming all the way out to our uh, dining area to talk about 30 Rock today. You're welcome. Um, so to start off with, I guess, how did you first get introduced to 30 Rock and when? I think you made me watch it. I think I made you watch it too. In like high school maybe? I don't remember. It was a long time ago. It was before it was over. Mm-hmm. And what year did it end? 2012. 2012. So, yeah, must have been, like, sophomore, junior year of high school. I was trying to think about how I got introduced to 30 Rock, and I, like, genuinely cannot remember. I don't remember when I started watching it. I just, I think it's always been something I've been watching, like, since Netflix Instant was a thing. Yeah, I don't think I ever watched it before Netflix Instant, because I think the first time I ever watched it, I was watching it on Netflix. Yeah. But I think that Lauren and Monica actually introduced it to me. But I have no idea when. I remember my first, like, cogent memory of watching 30 Rock was sitting down to watch the finale in my dorm room. But I obviously had watched it before then because I remember it being, like, a big event. Like, I'm going to watch the 30 Rock finale. I don't think I ever watched it live. I think I only ever watched it on Netflix because... I think I watched it up until the seasons that were on there, and then as they were added, I just kept watching it. Because I know I stopped watching it for, like, a year or something, and then when I went back, then the last season had been added with the finale. What about 30 Rock appealed to you the first time you watched it? I really liked Tina Fey, and I think the idea of sort of a, like, meta, behind-the-scenes look at SNL sort of was the reason that I watched it, but I think especially because I knew it was written and produced by Tina Fey. I think this was my first introduction to Tina Fey. I think I knew who Tina Fey was from, like, the internet and Tumblr. And then I kind of knew her presence, but I hadn't watched anything of hers before 30 Rock. What else has she done other than SNL? She did, like, Baby Mama and Mean Girls. That's pretty much yeah, it. I think the thing I knew her from most was Mean Girls. Yeah, me too. I think what appealed to me most was that Liz Lemon was, like, a nerd. Yeah. That was, like, being a successful person, which I guess is kind of up for debate if she was actually successful or not. But I related to her, like, nerdiness of, like, somebody who likes Star Wars, but is also, like, a normal, sociable human being. It's so strange, though, because I, the thing that, when I was rewatching it, the thing that I found the weirdest was that, like, I guess, like, Liz Lemon's view of, like, relationships and men as something so weird and foreign, whereas, like, you would think for someone who's such a feminist that she would be very, like, forward about it, but, like, especially, I guess it's sort of Liz Lemon's growth from, like, her first boyfriend who's Dennis Duffy to, like, when she marries Chris at the end, and... Like, I guess the difference between those relationships, but it's just when I started rewatching it, that's what struck me so much was just that, like, she has such a horrible view of how to interact with men and 
in a romantic sense. Yeah, but I don't know. So she talks about feminism, Liz Lemon does, in the show, but I don't know if she can necessarily claim that she is a good feminist. Like, I don't think she's supposed to be a representation of, like, a good feminist. So when you were first watching it for the first time ever, did you have any issues with it? Or was there anything that you didn't like about it? Um, not that I can remember, because it's kind of weird to me for me to like look back on it because I don't feel like I ever stopped watching 30 Rock. It's just something that like if I want to watch TV and I don't have anything else to watch, I'll go back and watch it. And so it's not like it's been a long time since I've watched it and gone back. Mm-hmm. It's just something that I'm sort of constantly watching. So I guess the when I think about the first time I watched it, I thought that the joke seemed somewhat forced at times. Especially in the first couple seasons, it was like, I think the humor was a really slow start, and then I think it picked up, but I think there are some of the, like, long-running in-jokes that I thought, when I watched it for the first time, I thought were kind of pushy. But when I rewatched it, I didn't think that. I thought the humor was a lot smarter than I remembered it being. Maybe just because you watched it when you were in high school, so you maybe didn't understand... Yeah, I think there were a lot of points of it that I didn't understand, and, like, the more, the only jokes that I got were the ones that were really pushed on you, and I think now when I rewatch it, I get more of the subtle humor, and especially, like, there's so many weird references to, like, old actors and political figures, especially from Jack and Liz, and, like, I, anything, like, there was one instance where Tracy was saying how he was off his meds and he was crazy and he thinks he voted for Nader, and I thought that was hilarious when I rewatched it, but the first time I watched it, I don't think I knew who Ralph Nader was or why that was supposed to be funny. Yeah, because I like don't remember anything at all about my first watch of it. I am not good at this game and I can't remember. But I I really like now just like the joke density where it's just like joke after joke after joke after joke. So if one joke doesn't land, like there's something that's like going to be immediately following it, which as, like, a writer, I'm like, that would be so difficult, like, to be in that writer's room. Yeah, do you and think... just to be, like, writing joke after joke and then also, like, make it seem a, like a cohesive show. I think that's one of the things that I, as, like, as a writer and as someone who considered comedy sitcom writing as a career, <coughs> like... <coughs> wine in my nose. <laughs> it's so impressive to me that they can turn out a show a week. And, I mean, obviously the production time is a little bit slower than that, but, like, it's still, like you said, the scripts are so dense with jokes and dialogue, and they're so smart. It's one of those things that I look at, and I'm like, I wish I had written that. Definitely. One time, one of my residents told me that I reminded her of Liz Lemon. And I was like, oh, man, Liz Lemon's awesome. She's, like, one of my heroes. And then I was like, oh, wait, Liz Lemon's a mess. And she sits at home alone and eats cheese all the time. Yeah, I was like, that maybe isn't a compliment. I was going to dress up like Liz Lemon for Halloween once, but then I realized that it wouldn't be much different than how I normally dress. I would just carry around cheese. True. Do you have a favorite character in the show? Uh... I think Liz is probably my favorite character. I do really like um, Frank Rossitano, though. Yeah. He's one of my favorites. 
and all of his hats. But I think probably Liz or Jack or Jack's mother. Oh yeah, she's great. I like Colleen a lot. My favorite character is probably 100% Kenneth. I think the balance of they like show him of being like just sort of like this like good-natured uh just like goon of a person but then like they also balance him out where like oh yeah he's like a total misogynist and has like these really old-fashioned views and they manage like temper those two together in a way that's really hilarious it's really funny too because i think that's one of the things i noticed when i rewatched it recently was that at the very beginning of the show kenneth is just a normal page Mm -hmm. and like he is that like backcountry awkward like very Mm -hmm. friendly smiley whatever but then as the show goes on i feel like kenneth is one of those characters that like was a sort of a background character and then sort of came to the forefront with his character development because then by the end he's literally an immortal like god figure and when you watch it at the beginning you can tell that that wasn't really the intention there's like some little hints of it in like the second and third season but in i think at the end of season one or the beginning of season two there's a an episode where kenneth is talking to his mom on the phone well in the last season his parents, his mom, and his mom's friend, Ron, come to oh, visit. Oh, that's true. And she tells the story about how when he was born, he spoke to her and said, Mother, I'm an immortal angel. Yeah. So I think they skipped over that. Or they managed to reconcile those, those two things. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like Kenneth as like this sort of weird element to 30 Rock. And also, there was... Um, I guess it could apply for 30 Rock or Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, but at the very end, when Kenneth has a list of, like, things you... Jack gives Kenneth a list of things you can't talk about on TV. <laughs> and it's, like, strong women shows about TV shows. Yeah. And things like that. And they all describe um, 30 Rock or either that or Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. And I saw a theory that basically, like, Kimmy Schmidt is a show within a show. And that it's a show that Kenneth is producing for NBC. I love that. <laughs> Because I love Kimmy Schmidt because it seems like it takes place in the 30 Rock universe. Like, and, like, the, the theories that Jenna is playing. <laughs> oh, her, I haven't yeah. seen that. That's amazing. I actually really love Jenna a lot more than I did the first few times I watched it. I think that when I originally watched it, I was like, oh, Jenna's just, like, a mean girl, basically. But I... Now, I think she's just super hilarious, and, like, the way Jane Krakowski plays her is so smart. I think both Jenna and Tracy at the beginning seem, like, very stereo, like, really strong stereotypes, and then the more you watch it, and, like, the more times you watch it, the more kind of ironic they both become, Mm -hmm. because, I don't know, Tracy especially is, like, at the beginning, he seems like this stereotype of himself as, like, sort of... Tracy Jordan, Tracy Morgan, like, this caricature, and then as you watch it, he, there's moments where, like, when or when um, Liz thinks that he's illiterate, and he just goes with it and plays off the whole, like, idea that he could be illiterate in order to get ahead. Yeah. I love that episode. So, when did you watch it mo- most recently? Like, last week. Last week, okay. I watched it. I didn't watch it all the way through. I, I, I watched the first, like, two seasons. Yeah, but normally what I do is, like, I will just be like, I don't have anything to watch on TV, so I'll, like, go to Netflix and just pick a random episode of yeah. Dirty Rock, thinking that I'll just, like, watch one or two episodes, and then I'll just watch it Yeah, all the way through. So, I haven't seen a lot of the fr- first season in a long time, because normally I just, like, start from some random yeah, episode. in the middle. In the middle. I watched it in December during final season, and I watched it 
I started somewhere in season two and then watched it all the way through in like two weeks. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you can fly through it because yeah. they're 30 minute episodes and some of the seasons are fairly short. So I was surprised when I rewatched it that um, Jason Sudeikis' character came in so early because I feel like I remember Floyd being like in the later seasons as like Liz's opportunity for a good guy. But he was really the first guy that she dated after Dennis. Yeah, no, he was introduced in the first season, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. Then he moved to Cleveland. And then he moved to Cleveland. But I just, I felt like I remembered him being much later. But then I guess there's a bunch of guys that she dates in between him and... Um, Chris Cross. Chris Cross, James Marsden's character. Because she dates Matt Damon at one point. Oh, yeah. I love that Carol. relationship. Yeah. His name is Carol Burnett. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They just never say his first and his last name together. Which, that's so funny in itself, because that's like, I feel like Carol Burnett is one of those people that Liz would idolize. Definitely. And you don't know if she's dating him because of that, or because of him. Yeah. The, like, Rosemary Howard character, I feel like, is based on Carol Carol Burnett. Burnett. The one who Carrie Fisher plays. I feel like it's also a little bit just based on Carrie Fisher, too, though, because... That's true. She's, like, sort of a party animal, which Carrie Fisher was. Since this, like, The Force Awakens press tour has given me new love for Carrie Fisher. Not yeah, that, see, I, like, I, not that like, I always didn't love Carrie Fisher, but I, now I super love Carrie Fisher. I feel Fisher. like now that she has come out and been, like, more in the public eye, I when I rewatched that episode, I was like, oh, yes. This is just Carrie Fisher being yeah. herself as a writer. I wish Carrie had been in... <laughs> I don't think Gary was around yet. That was in, like, so. one of the that first was, seasons. Yeah. Oh, the other weird thing that I noticed... I guess it's not that weird, but the, I think the first season aired in 2006 or 2007, and there was, um... Oh, when Tracy accused Liz of being racist, she made a comment about supporting Barack Obama. Yeah. Which, at the time, would have been sort of a weird, obscure reference... Yeah, it was when, it was, I think it was in 2007 when he was, like, running against Hillary. Against Clinton. Hillary. Which, yeah, it's so, like, I don't know. That's such a weird time warp thing. Because I feel like a lot of the jokes are fairly timeless. Like, they're not bound to their, to the time they were written in. Which, 30 Rock is good at that, which not a lot of shows are. But then, at the same time, there are those few weird moments like that, where you realize how old the show is. Yeah, I feel like when they talk about TV stuff, it sort of dates it a little more, because you can, yeah. like, see what's going on, what was, like, happening on TV when that, sh- like, episode was written, so I'm thinking of, like, the Milf Island episode. Yeah, that end, they make a lot of references to the end of Lost, which happened oh, yeah. while the show was airing, so. Um, <clears throat> they talk about Treme. Yeah. In one of the episodes. Yeah. So they do talk about, like, current TV. Yeah. It made me want to watch more TV. Like, if they talked about a TV show, I was like, I it's also like this. It's, it, it, I guess it is kind of dated, too, in the sense that, like, the way that a TV, a network TV, like, station operates now is fairly different to when it did then, because yeah. then the biggest competitors were the other network TV stations, not, like, like HBO wasn't... Like, HBO had The Sopranos, but in, like, competi- like comparatively, HBO and Showtime weren't producing the same kind of content that they are now, and, like, Netflix and Hulu and Amazon weren't even competitors yet. 
Yeah, I was actually reading something about how 30 Rock uh, predicted Vine because Jack <laughs> decided to have this new innovation where they have six-second webisodes. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember that. Before, before Vine came out, and they're like, this is ridiculous. It would never happen. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of funny, ironic things like that because I guess they try to be current. Actually, the thing that I found most funny was I saw a... Um, post on reddit like yesterday or the day before about the ge appliance division going under or something oh. and i was like oh that's so ironic and jack's position with microwaves and ge what's microwave oven or television and microwave oven, oven programming was his department yeah any favorite guest stars i liked matt damon's character a lot i think matt damon is just really funny and doesn't do enough comedy Oh gosh, what's her name? Elizabeth Banks' character, Avery. Avery Jessup as like the crazy wife of Jack. And then her... That was another weird thing that kind of dated it too, was like, it's dated, but at the same time it's current with like Avery being kidnapped by the North Koreans. Oh yeah, because like Kim Jong... It's Kim Jong Il in the show. Like, between the season that she got kidnapped and yeah. the season that she, like, came back. Yeah. And I feel like you don't hear about... I guess it would be too, like, sensitive. It's too it's too touchy to talk about her if she was kidnapped in, like, Iran or something. Yeah, that's true. Whereas, like, North Korea is a caricature of itself already. But And also, like, doesn't have like media so like yeah. this like 30 rock plot's probably like not going to reach True. north korea there's not going to be any repercussions margaret cho as Ch- kim jong-il she was, was pretty great yeah my favorite is who this is an actress that i do not like very much the other stuff she does is chloe moritz who played jack oh, donaghy's yeah. like teenage rival i thought she was so funny she was good i liked her episodes every episode that she's in i think she's so funny and i also like I think, honestly, my favorite thing about 30 Rock is um, the Werewolf Bar Mitzvah song. <laughs> and it, the fact that it half of it is Tracy Morgan singing it, and the other half of it is Donald Glover doing a Tracy Morgan impression singing it. That's true. I really like the live episodes. How do you feel about the live episodes? Some of the I think they're polarizing. I think um, one of them is better than the other one. Yeah. The first I, one I haven't watched either of them in a while. The first one is Liz's fortieth birthday, and they all forget. And then the second one is they are gonna stop TGS from being a live show, and they're gonna film them all like in like two weeks. Film the whole season in like two weeks, and it's not gonna be live anymore. I think that one's the one I like. Yeah, I really like that one. Whichever one is the one where they do, um. Like a 50-style sitcom thing. Yeah, they do, like, they go through the history of live Yeah, 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 yeah. It's that, yeah, that one's the one that I like, because I think that one's justified being live. Yeah. Whereas I don't think, I think the other one is not necessarily justified being live. Yeah, I think a lot of shows do live episodes, and it's, like, really dumb, and I think that 30 Rock, because it's, like, based on a live television show, sort of, and, like, the... You can do it without being premise. Yeah, the premise is a live television show. That's okay, but like, didn't like Grey's Anatomy or somebody do a live television show? Grey's Anatomy did a really weird musical episode. Maybe that was it's what I'm thinking of. But you're like, why? This is not yeah useful. Yeah, 
I feel, yeah, I feel the same thing about like musical episodes and live episodes where like there are some instances where it's justified and it's interesting, which I think 30 Rock, it is justified, but otherwise it comes off as being really gimmicky, which I think the first live episode of 30 Rock was a good sort of trial run for the concept of it, but I think the second one was more, I guess because it was the second one, it was smoother and it was, it was more justified. Yeah. Did you have any complaints when you were watching 30 Rock this time around? Some of the jokes I remembered, and so they were less funny. But I think 30 Rock has a really good rewatch value, mm-hmm. which is, like, there's, when you talk about video games, there's, like, a replay value of, like, things you didn't notice before, things you can go through the second time and get. And I think 30 Rock has a lot of rewatch value in terms of, like, the jokes and the things that you know that happen later that are sort of hinted at before and not necessarily even consciously, but sort of like Liz's transformation into like a normal functioning person. And like, there's a point where she talks about how she, um, in like the first or second season, she makes a comment about like adopting a kid and how she would never want to go through the process of adopting a kid. And then later on you see her go through that whole process. So I think it's, it's, it has a really good rewatch value for that reason. And the jokes are really subtle. And like you said, they're so fast that you don't catch a lot of them the first or second or third or fifth time around. Yeah, I think the reason that I really like rewatching it is because those jokes are so packed together. There's always something that, like, even though I've watched 30 Rock a million times, I either, like, miss the joke or just, like, just it went over my head. And so then when I watch it again and I finally get it, I'm like, oh, that's hilarious. And I still laugh out loud when I watch it. Yeah, I think it's an interesting sort of, like, character building exercise, too, I guess, because 30 Rock was one of the, I think, one of the few shows that has characters that didn't necessarily get slanderized as they went on. Because, like, I really like Parks and Rec and The Office, and they're both really similar formats to 30 Rock, but they both have instances where their characters start really solid and then just become caricatures of themselves, like, in... Parks and Rec, like Andy Dwyer, becomes just like a child who can't take care of himself and like is to- like has an IQ of like four. And in the office, you have the same thing with Kevin, who at the beginning was like a competent, if sort of slow, fat adult who then just becomes like where someone literally thinks he's retarded, and and like where Oscar becomes so flamboyantly gay that you don't remember that he has any other character traits. But I think that 30 Rock did a really good job of keeping the characters, like, dynamic and sort of deeper. Well, I think that 30 Rock, the characters were always sort of caricatures of, like, one thing or another. So so you were adding stuff in yeah. rather than taking it away. I guess that's true. And, like, I'm thinking specifically of, like, Jenna and Tracy who, like, like yeah, they start as caricatures and then sort of become deeper characters. But I don't ever think, I think they could have really gone off the rails and I don't think that they ever did. Yeah. And the things that are really crazy that they do seem in character rather than seeming sort of like a gimmick, I guess. Yeah, like they do a good enough job of like building up the competition between them in the beginning that like all the ridiculous things that they do to each other yeah. and like well, and like Jenna's so vain too, and that's like one of her biggest traits, but it sort of comes and goes in different ways. And I'm thinking specifically of like her relationship with Paul, 
where at the point that she starts that relationship and it continues, it doesn't even seem that weird. Yeah. Like, it doesn't seem like that's a thing that could never happen because of the way that her personality is. I love that she met him in a Jenna Maroney lookalike contest where she came in fourth. Yeah. I love Jenna. She's one. She's like my second favorite character next to Kenneth. I like Kenneth a lot, too. I mean, I like Liz and Jack, but Kenneth, he's number one. He sees the world as puppets. It's so strange, too, because, like, the 30, or the, not 30 Rock, the NBC Page program is a real thing. Yeah. And people really do it, but I have no concept of what it would be like except from through 30 Rock, and I feel like a lot of people must apply and be really disappointed. <laughs> that you don't get to, like, hang out with Alec Baldwin all yeah. the time. True. My biggest problem towards the end of the series was when they introduced the character of Hazel and she mm-hmm. became like a really big part of yeah, the series I don't like her. and she really wasn't funny and I normally like Kristen Shaw like I liked her material on the Daily Show and I hear that she's really good in Last Man on Earth and she just seems like a genuinely funny person but like the way she was written was so grating and like felt so unnecessary Yeah, I think that was and I I haven't watched the last season last few seasons in a while but don't think they, they get rid of her yeah, they do, but it's, like, not until the very end. Because I feel like, yeah, I don't. I wasn't a fan of her, and, yeah, I think she was written in as sort of this, like, foil to Kenneth, but I don't think that's needed because I think everybody is sort of a foil to Kenneth. Yeah. Like, a normal human being. Well, is. she came in so big, too, yeah. like, with all of these, like, huge things. There was, like, no build up to her character just like right when she was introduced she was just like this big terrible person yeah and that's not as interesting as when her like main defining trait is as being a terrible person whereas when you have someone like jenna who is a terrible person but that's not the like main thing about her yeah and it's not that being a terrible person makes them unlikable but hazel was really not likable yeah that's true that was my biggest complaint about the end of the series. Throughout, I was, like, really vacillated on Lutz's character. Sometimes I think he was really funny, but then other times I feel like he was just used for, like, cringe jokes, which I'm... I don't like cringe jokes, which is why I don't really like The Office, because I feel like that It's a really, lot of, yeah. It's, like, depends on cringe jokes. So Lutz was, like, not for me. There's, like, three instances that I liked Lutz and the first one was the episode where he wants to get sandwiches and no one else wants sandwiches and so he wants blimpies and it's his turn to pick food Mm -hmm. and so he goes through the process of like literally everything he could ever do to make sure that he gets to pick food like he changes his name legally and puts it in the phone book and that one and then I like the running joke that Kellen Lutz is like his nephew I think. It, they, like, start to joke that he's his, estra- his estranged son, but then it turns out that he's actually his grand-nephew yeah. or something like that. Yeah, I like that. I, I said three, but I think there were only two. I think it was just those two. So, would you recommend 30 Rock to anybody, and if so, who? Everybody. If you like television. It's true. I recommend it to people who, like... Parks and Rec and those sorts of shows. I don't know if it's for everybody. I feel like it might be too smart for some people. That's true. I guess if you watch, like, 
two and a half men and two broke girls. Yeah. Like, it's well, probably not your type of humor. But. And that's, like, also why 30 Rock didn't do very well. Like, even, like, though it ran for seven seasons, it was never a huge ratings, you know, boom. They which were is so always weird on because the edge. it followed The Office, which, is, which was, like, hugely popular. Mm-hmm. But... But I feel like if you like Parks and Rec, you'll definitely like 30 Rock. <coughs> yeah, I mean, any of those shows that were in, like, the NBC Thursday night lineup, which was The Office, Parks and Rec, and Community at one point were all yeah. running at the same time, and 30 Rock, um, I think you'd like any of those shows. They're all very similar humor, and... Other than community, they're all the mockumentary. Or I guess 30 Rock's not, but... Yeah, 30 Rock's not. My comparison between 30 Rock and Parks and Rec is I like 30 Rock a lot better than Parks and Rec. Like, I like Parks and Rec while I'm watching it, but I never am, like, thinking fondly about Parks and Rec as, like, often as I am about 30 Rock. And I think that Parks and Rec is, like, the nice version of 30 Rock, where 30 Rock is more cynical, Parks and Rec is more optimistic. And I think Parks and Rec because of that, is a bit of a wider appeal. Yeah. And I think that that's sort of the same... Well, The Office can be kind of iffy on both sides. But, yeah, Parks and Rec is definitely, like, not as cynical and not as referential. Yeah. Like, Parks and Rec is really self-referential, but I think 30 Rock has a lot of references, like I said, to, like, actors and politicians and current events that are not necessarily things that if you are an uneducated viewer that you're going to know and get the joke. Yeah, I think that 30 Rock can be sort of alienating. Like there's an entire way. episode about um, the Habsburg heir and his party and like that joke is not funny unless, I mean it is, but it's more funny if you like know have historical European history. Yeah. yeah. Do you have anything else you'd like to say about 30 Rock? Um, every time I go to New York, I take a picture in front of the building. Yeah, um, when I went to New York last time, we went to 30 Rock, and it was amazing, and I was like, oh, this is, like, where the show is, and you, like, go into the NBC store, and there's, like, an episode where Jack and Liz go into the NBC, NBC store, store yeah. and they're like, is it closed for renovations, and you're like, no, it's just, like, always empty. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not true. There were plenty of people in there when It's I always there. crowded when I go, but I go to New York at terrible times, like, right after Christmas. It is really, was, I, was 30 Rock filmed in New York? Yeah. Yeah. So it was filmed in New York, and then, like, parts of it were filmed actually at 30 Rock, but then, like, the, you know, places that they were all the time, those were sound stages. <clears throat> Alrighty. Well, thank you for joining me, talking about 30 Rock. Do you have a Twitter account or something you want people to follow you on? At Allison Random. Twitter, Instagram, two L's, pretty much it, yeah. Great, well thank you very much. Thanks again for listening to Nostalgia Myalgia. If you liked what you heard, be sure to tune into other Minerva podcasts like Bardolatry and The Virgin Podcaster, and be sure to follow us on Twitter at MagMinerva. Minerva.